0: Good morning. Uh, Megan and Andrew have been working very hard back there this morning trying to fix up what I sent through. But it looks like it might be working and we'll go ahead with it. So thank you. Uh, as we're continuing our, our series and, and looking at it, the proposed doctrinal statement that we are going to um, put forward, forward to we've already presented it to the church but we're going to sort of vote on that later in the year with our constitution and to that for that to be accepted so we're looking uh today at the person and work of christ and in the proposed statement that we have here it it says there we believe that jesus christ is god incarnate fully god and fully man one person in two natures having been conceived by the holy spirit and born of a virgin Jesus lived a sinless life on earth died on the cross as the perfect sacrifice for our sins was buried and rose bodily from the dead further he ascended into heaven where at the right hand of the majesty on high he is our priest and our high advocate or advocate, high priest and advocate I wonder how um, how many people you know I'm sure if you scroll down at the bottom of your Facebook account it might come up with 382 or something and it might give yourself a pat on the back, that's fantastic. But I'm not talking about that, I'm not talking about how many followers you have on Twitter or Instagram but how many people do you really know? People that you know how they feel, without any words you know what they're going through or they exp- how they express themselves. What makes people happy? What makes them sad? How you can relate to them? I'd probably suggest there wouldn't be many. This morning we get half an hour or so to talk about Jesus. Look at who Jesus is and what he has done. It's one thing to know of Jesus. But it's another thing to know Jesus. Know who Jesus is. Know what he wants for your life and know how that will happen. I suggest this morning that unless you get to know Jesus, to really know him and who he is, you won't grasp You won't fully grasp what he wants for your life and how that can happen. Many people have over time claimed that they are God, that they are Jesus in the flesh, that they're some supernatural being. And there have been cults started, there have been followings all around the world over hundreds of years of people making these claims. Unfortunately, if you look online, many of these uh, many of these cults and followings end really tragically, a lot in mass suicides and sexual abuse and physical abuse, and people end up in jail and all sorts of crimes are committed. Uh, although C.S. Lewis didn't make this... Is uh, <laughs> coming? I'll leave it to you. Although C.S. Lewis didn't originally come up with this statement, he... He certainly popularised it and and you you would know it that based on the claims of Jesus he said Jesus is rather a lunatic, a liar or lord. He is God. And he said the decision must be made by everyone because what Jesus said and what he did didn't allow for anything else. It didn't allow for you to... Just claim that he is a, a good person, but what Jesus claimed it doesn't allow you to say that. Okay, I believe Jesus is just a good teacher because that's what he's claiming. It's not what he's claiming. The claims of Jesus were outrageous. They were actually they were astonishing. They were crazy. Jesus was physically similar to any other Galilean man. We, we don't actually get a description physically from the Gospels about what Jesus looked like probably because it's not really that important. But if you go to Isaiah 53, in the prophecy of Christ, it says there that there was nothing special or beautiful about him to look at. There was nothing to attract people to him. So I think it's safe to say Jesus was not a a 12 foot, 120 kilo, amazing person that people were attracted to. He was pretty... Ordinary looking Galilean. And his deity to most was unseen. When people first saw Jesus, they saw an ordinary man. What was visible was his humanity. And people saw him as no different than any other man but no other man made the claims that jesus christ made he said that he'd come down from heaven that he had eternally existed that he had been sent into the world by the father he claimed to be the savior and the only savior of the world to be the source and the only source of everlasting life he claimed to be the only way to god he claimed to have the right to be honored and worshipped on an equal basis with god He claimed to be one with the Father, to have the power to give life and even to raise the dead. He claimed to be without sin, to have all authority in heaven and on earth. He claimed to have the power and authority to forgive sins. He claimed to be able to answer prayer. He claimed to be greater than the temple, Jonah, Solomon, Jacob and Abraham. He claimed to be the only bread that can feed the soul, the light of the world, the resurrection and life, the anointed one, Christ, Messiah, the Son of God. I've probably missed some and you can tell me afterwards over a cup of tea. But this man who was physically similar to any other Galilean man was no ordinary man. But the claims were the beyond imagination of what the people around him could listen to or hear. And the Jewish leaders judged him a blasphemer. In their minds, their decision was to say, this is outrageous blasphemy. Jesus is nothing but a liar. Other people, if you look in Mark three, said that he was he was a lunatic. He was crazy. There was a there's a word used there in Mark three that we looked at recently in Acts twelve when Peter is escapes from prison and there's a Christians in the house and they're praying for him and the servant girl Rhoda goes to the door and recognizes his voice and comes back without even letting him in and saying. Peter at the front door. And the same word they used there, they said to Rhoda, they said, you're out of your mind. It's the same word here in Mark 3. Those people are saying, Jesus, are making these claims, he's out of his mind. In John 6, there were many so-called disciples of Jesus Christ who left him because of these claims that he made they said this can't be possible it can't be true but the claims of Jesus to be God are irrefutable in John 10 30 Jesus says the father and I are one as we read this morning John 14.9, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. John 12.45, when you are seeing me, you are seeing the one who sent me. And the, there are, it goes on and on. And Paul states it so plainly, we read this morning in Colossians 1.15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Many of you know my younger brother Tim and my, and my dad. And uh, I, if I've shared this before, I'm sorry, but uh, they, they were once at a cafe a number of years ago in Ballarat, um, sitting outside, and someone else was out there uh, reasonably close by, and, uh, and at, they just felt compelled when they left their table to come past after watching them talk and interact with each other and just share how, they, how it was so obvious that they were a father-son and old Tim was really happy with that. Uh, Dad used that against him for a long time. And... You know, of course, they're not exactly the same, but there are so many similarities, or it seemed to be, from this person in the way that they interacted and their character and their appearance. Another thing we use against him, But of course, they're not exactly the same and this is what Jesus is saying here there is nothing separating God the Father with himself you can't tell me something of of God the Father that isn't true of Jesus and what is true of Jesus we see in him we know is true of God So we ask ourselves this morning, as we sit here, what do I believe? As Elaine said this morning, who do I say Jesus is? Is he a lunatic? Out of his mind? Is he a liar? Is he making these things up? Too hard to believe? Or is Jesus Christ, Saviour and Lord of your life? Jesus didn't only make these claims and say these things but he showed everyone in the way that he lived and the things he did in the miracles that he performed in his power over creation is only something God can do that he forgave the sins of people is only something God can do the way he healed the sick, people not just with coughs like we all have this morning, but with lifelong illnesses, people that couldn't see saw again. Jesus Christ loved the unlovable and he welcomed the outcasts of society. He raised the dead to life. He claimed to be the resurrection and the life. And when Lazarus was dead, not for one hour or one day, but dead for four days, Jesus commanded him to come out from the grave. And he did instantly. That's something only God can do. In John eleven thirty eight, Jesus said, even if you don't believe what I tell you, you must believe in what you see me doing. The miracles from that you should know that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. As was mentioned earlier, we've got kids club this Friday, where, um, like other ministries, looking to looking to bless these kids who come along to kids club. We want them to feel like they belong here, they feel welcome here, safe here. And of course we want them to believe in Jesus Christ as their saviour. We want to see these kids come to know Jesus and become part of his body, whether it be here at Monty or somewhere else and have an impact on their community as they grow and believe and grow in their faith. And our memory verse at the moment in Kid's Club is John 3:17. It says there, "God sent His Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him." Jesus didn't come to the earth just to show us that he is God. that, That happens automatically because he is God. That's who he is. But Jesus came to save. Not to condemn. Not to point the finger and say this is where you fit on the sin scale, this is where you fit on the sin scale, this is where you're at. This is how bad you are, this is how bad you are. Jesus came to save. We're all lost. We're all born with the death sentence, separated from God, and in desperate need of salvation to be saved from God's judgment of sin. Jesus came to save. How does he save? Quite simply by dying the most painful and cruelest death known to man. He died for our sin so that God the Father would not judge us against what we have done. But he sees us through what Jesus has done on the cross. Our Advocate now stands, it now sits at his right hand and says, No longer Josh Davies facing the consequences and the penalty for sin. I've paid the price. And he's done that for every single person who comes to faith in him. Is Jesus a liar? Is Jesus out of his mind? Or is he Lord? god your savior in john fourteen six, really famous verse jesus said i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but through me jesus is the only way to knowing god is the only way He's the only way to become into it, to be to be in a relationship with God, to be made right with God. There, there is no other way. No matter how many good things you do, or tick boxes you tick, or prayers you repeat, or how many gods you think you're pleasing, or how many times you meditate, or how much money you give, there is no other way to know God or to be made right with Him except through Jesus. He is the only way. And Romans 10, Paul puts so clearly that you must believe by faith in what Jesus has done on the cross. You must believe by faith that he died for your sins. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then you will be saved. Nothing more to add to that. There's nothing less, though, to take away from what must be done to be made right with God. I said earlier that uh, unless you get to know Jesus and who he is, you won't grasp what he wants for you and how that can actually happen. Um, I don't think... I don't think myself or you can really know all about who Jesus is by what you hear this morning or what you hear on a Sunday morning here every week. As Rob shared last week, there needs to be a consistent time in God's Word to, to know Him and allow the Spirit to reveal more truth about who Jesus is and what He has done for us and what He wants for us. So for a few moments and we can spend hours in this passage but in Romans 12, 1 and 2 and in 2 Corinthians three eighteen, these verses they say So dear brothers and sisters I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. 2 Corinthians 3.18 it says so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. What does God want for us? Well it's so many answers there seems to be so many things we could brainstorm and write down I think simply become like Jesus simple words easy to say incredibly difficult to do maybe it's just for certain followers of Jesus Christ seems impossible and it is it is impossible it's crazy thing to think that I can be like Jesus by myself yes it is but it says let or allow God to transform you it's not something you have to I was reading recently about a uh, about actors and actresses and when they're playing real life characters in movies and shows, the sort of links they went to um, to 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 show and express who these characters really are um, and they were just, were saying that they would they, they would often um, continually watch video footage of, of people, the way that they walked and the way that they, they spoke accents and certain words that they would pronounce funny uh, and they also said that they would, if possible you know would spend time one on one face to face with them and get to meet them and in getting to meet them, get to know them as well as possible in order to portray who they are on, on the big screen One person, it even said that they were shameless in copying all the ins and outs of a person that they would be portraying. Now the application isn't exactly the same when we talk about being Christ-like but the principle is how will I be allowing God, let God transform my life and change me? How can that happen if I don't, really know who Jesus is if I don't spend time in God's word with the one who I follow and serve what can our attitude end up being like it won't be Christ like it'll be self righteous and self centred. It says in Romans twelve to offer yourselves. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Offer your bodies to God. That's not a that's not a once a year offering. Or a once a month or once a week but a moment by moment an hour by hour attitude for me it it'll often start with prayer God is take my life and and as weak and as pathetic as I may be, use my life for your glory. In the next few minutes, in the next few hours, for the rest of this day, may be about who you are and what you want and not what I want. When our thoughts are constantly about what God wants and not what I want and we are spending time allowing the spirit of God to reveal truth from his word to us about who Jesus is we find ourselves in a place where God is changing us changing the way that we think from how the world thinks and how what we are born into to what the attitude of Christ is and this this is truly the way to worship him anyone who has kids or probably actually anyone anyone would know that there are circumstances when you look at some people and you just think and you say to yourself they just don't think before they do anything <laughs> they're just not thinking but you know we, we do whether we're kids or adults or teenagers we, we do we do think we're, sometimes it's just a few seconds when the light goes orange what are you going to do is there going to be break is it going to be ah, get right through because I'm in a hurry <laughs> we, we, we sometimes take a few, a, a few minutes or a few hours, or a few days to think before we do something. And God wants to change the way we think because he wants to change the way that we do and the way that we live. He wants to change the way that we think from selfish desires to his desires in order that we would become more like Christ because what God wants for us is to become like Jesus come to his word and look at the person and the life of Jesus Christ and allow God allow God to change you What a witness and testimony to those around us in this community and the communities that we're involved in at work and home when we allow and let God change the way that we think and the way that we live. Lord and God, we thank you for your word that when we open it, we don't have to look For where the truth may lie, but it is all your word and it is all your truth. Thank you that you sent your Son not to condemn us, but to save us. And that there is a way now to be made right with you, to know you as our Saviour, our Lord God. May we leave this place with an attitude to be more Christ-like, allowing you to change us, Lord. Change the way that we think about ourselves, about others and about you. Use us to impact on this community in Monty and the community abroad that we would give everyone the opportunity to know you and follow you as Saviour and Lord of their life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.